This is Prep Spotlight on 740thefan.com. Stay up to date with high school athletics up and down the Red River Valley. Here's your host, Chase Miller. Glad you're tuning into Prep Spotlight here on 740thefan.com. Season number two, episode number one for the 2018-19 school year. And pretty much what Prep Spotlight is, if you're new to the podcast or to the show, is, as you heard, up and down the Red River Valley, both in the state of North Dakota and Minnesota, if there's a player, if there's a coach, if there's a team that's performing well or has a good background story, we're going to go find it, cover it, and bring it to you here on this podcast. Today on the podcast, defending 3A state champ, the West Fargo Packers in the state of North Dakota. Jay Gibson, the head football coach of the Packers, will be joining us a little bit later on as they have to go and defend their 3A title this year after losing a big senior class. We also will have Kevin Feeney coming up, the Moorhead Spuds head football coach. Kevin Feeney's been almost there a decade now over at Moorhead. They finished 6-3 and three last season, and they have a very good opponent in Elk River who finished up runners-up last year in the 5A state title game. We'll talk to Kevin about how the fall camp has gone in, in preparations for that season opener with Elk River. But with us now, Jody Norstead of Midco Sports Network and Jody Nineman football kicked off the season across the state of North Dakota last weekend. Who are some of the teams that impressed you the most in the opening weekend, Jody? Well, I guess Thompson just jumps off the map as far as what they did to Cavalier just the way they dominated that team 28 to 0 at halftime and the the thing with Cavalier they lost Tanner Erlob early in that game first quarter he went down with an injury he tried to kind of fight through it it looked like it was some sort of knee injury don't want to speculate but uh Sandy Laxdahl obviously said you know that that hurts because that was their the guy that was going to be running the ball a lot the guy that was going to be making all the tackles on defense you take him away, things get a lot easier to Thompson. But that is to take nothing away from Thompson because they're winning that game no matter what. Caden Schwabe, uh, absolutely impressive as he's been really throughout his career. Rushed for 124 yards, 13 of 20 passing for 160 yards. Marcus Hughes, a great athletic receiver that had 10 catches. Nick Reck, a great running back for them. They just have so many weapons, Chase. And that's a team where you say, okay, we knew that they were going to be good. How good can they be? And Cavalier, uh, what surprised me about Cavalier, I looked over on their bench, their sideline. They didn't have a lot of guys out there. They didn't have, they had maybe five or six guys dressed to actually go in the varsity game to replace the nine guys out there. So a little bit concerned about Cavalier's depth. I think Finley Sharon Hope Page made a little bit of a statement playing a really close game against Napoleon Gackle Streeter, who we think is going to be one of the top teams in the state. I had him at number two. And uh, and Finley Sharon Hope Page did a nice thing against him. Jack Irie, a really good running back, and they dominated time of possession there. So that was another team that, that kind of stuck out in Lamore Litchville, Marion, obviously shutting out the defending state champs. Anytime you do that, <laughs> you're you're going to get all eyeballs on you. Like, okay, we got to start taking Lamore Litchville, Marion pretty seriously this season. We'll continue to kind of break down other things across the state as the season continues, but kind of just looking at Region 1. Region 1 has been dominant the last couple of years, right? Because last year, Weimar Lidgewood was a state champs. Two years ago, Thompson when they are in Region 2, but they've been in Region 1 now for their second season. And then you go to Richland Colts, who also won back in 2015, mm-hmm. and the freshmen from that team are now the seniors of this year's team for Richland. And we'll kind of go there. Richland Cole Myers over five you know, touchdown passing, over 445 yards throwing. Uh, that could be a dangerous team, but also maybe Mayport CG could be a dangerous team. Jody with uh, you know Reese Hansen coming back, Adam Sola, second year in that program as a head coach. Those two teams last year were maybe 500 or below 500 vying for that last playoff spot. 
this year with the guys that they're coming back could possibly be a top one, two, three team in Region 1. And if you can say that out of Region 1, that means you're going to be doing some damage in the playoffs as we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, and we've seen. I mean, this region is a gauntlet. And now you look at this region, and after week one, you have three teams that don't have a win in the region. Finley, Sharon, Hope, Page, which we just mentioned, had that close game against Napoleon and Gackle Streeter. Hankinson, which is always a tough program. And then, of course, Winemere Lidgewood, the defending state champ. So I, I know it's cliche, like, oh, okay, we got a really tough region. We got to be ready every night. But, man, it is so serious and, and critical and imperative that these teams are on their game every single night in this region uh, because Mayport CG, as you mentioned, Reese Hansen, great quarterback, throws a really nice ball, caught a couple of the highlights from that game and boy he he really slinged it pretty well and then Sammy Satram at running back uh, had three rushing touchdowns for them against Laramore uh, so a lot of weapons on that Mayport CG team that really picked up steam and I remember you saying <laughs> I think that they're going to have a, a lot of success in the playoffs and they went in and and made that deeper run when it wasn't really expected of them so Adam Sola has that program running uh, Hatton Northwood picked up a win on opening night but Thompson Richland Richland great athletes you got to see him firsthand uh, Cole Meyer was really slinging it all over that field and for what's going on with that program right now uh, I think the community wants to rally around something and this football team gave them something to cheer about at least on that Friday night I like I like what uh, Zach Riopel the head football coach Richardson said in the pregame show when I asked him just about the region he goes listen I'll tell you what my dad told me when I was growing up if we can at least finish 500 we'll have a good season yeah we go from nine man Jody now to class a 1a Jody Norstead with Mitco Sports Network with us and Jodes last year in region one not to keep going back to our backyard but man it was like running back region you had Clayton Greenike <laughs> yeah Grant Skager Ben Holgarth, all the guys who at least played, if not two, maybe three years of varsity football. And that was just a phenomenal region, a phenomenal class that left the state of North Dakota at the running back spot. Hillsborough Central Valley expected to be right back to where they were last year, trying to defend a state championship. So when you look at Region 1, who are some of the teams that you think might be coming up and could possibly knock off Hillsborough Central Valley in the region or teams to watch out for this year, Jones? Well, I think Milner North Sargent is one of those teams that's in that conversation. They return a pretty good core for that group. Adam Neustel, guy that committed to UND, big offense defensive lineman, defensive lineman. So looking forward to see what they can do. And I think they're pretty confident in, in what they return. So I think Milner North Sargent, one of those teams that creeps up into the conversation. Ellendale Edge to calm. I mean, they've been losing a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, state champs a couple of years ago. Clayton Greenike went off in that game. He's playing now at Northern State down in Aberdeen. Um, but they, they have some guys back, but I just don't know if it's going to be enough to, to compete for a region title. But just that, that program it has just been churning out players and players year after year. So it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think Hillsboro Central Valley is going to be right back in that conversation. Uh, Oscar Benson, uh, we've seen what he can do as an, as an underclassman. Now he's going to get thrust into that role of, of kind of being that main ball carrier that uh, Grant Skager was uh, kind of the horse last year behind that big offensive and defensive line. The big question for them is – who are they going to have to replace that the offensive and defensive lineman that they lost? Jack Camrude. I don't know if you can replace him. It, it, might, take, dude. it might take two guys to replace Jack Camrude. But uh, Hillsborough Central Valley is going to be right back in it. Mark Hastings, a, a really good uh, linebacker for that team and, and fullback and uh, you know state champion wrestler. So uh, Hillsborough Central Valley just grows them tough. And Kindred. I think Kindred can be right back in the mix this year. Uh, seemed like they didn't really get to their potential last year. Uh, when they drop down from, you know, being in the state championship game in two-way, you drop down to Class A, 
and they just you know had a hard time figuring some things out. Uh, but they also had a lot of guys to replace last year, and I think all that experience that they got last year, some of those underclassmen, is going to be pay dividends this year. They go up against Carrington, I believe, to start mm-hmm. week one. That's going to be a fun football game. And Kindred, you look at their schedule last year, that was murderer's row. Yeah. They finished off the year very well. So maybe to your point, you get that experience coming back, a good taste in your mouth. We'll see what can happen for the Kindred Vikings. From there to Class AA, uh, Jody, this is a uh, AA has been a work in progress with teams, right? You go from 16 to having an East in a West region to 10. We know Shanley and Jamestown next year will be going to 3A. Shanley opted to move up, so that means the next biggest enrollment, Jamestown has to go up with them. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the last look of this version of 2A football for at least another couple of years. Let's talk about that Shanley-Jamestown game, though, to start the season in the Buffalo City. Last year, that was a very quality game at Sid Sitchi, and that could have almost been a playoff rematch, but Wofford City went down to Jamestown and beat them and then they had to go up against Shanley in the state semifinals and fell short. What do we expect from the Blue Jays and the Deacons this year in their last year of 2A football? Yeah, and I think that opened a lot of eyes last year when it was like, whoa, Jamestown, you know, they, they dropped down, but boy, they really played Shanley tough, and, and that kind of was their season. They played a lot of teams tough, but maybe just fell short sometimes, and then it, you know, it was just a microcosm of their season when Watford City comes in and beats them 6-3 to three in, in the playoff game. But, you know, Shanley, I think Shanley's the team to beat, the clear front runner with what St. Saint, Saint Mary's lost and Gendru and guys like uh, the guy in the backfield, Krebs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a lot of talent that they lost, a good wide receiver as well. Uh, but Jamestown, you know, going to be another one of those teams that's right back in the hunt. Callenback is back, a, a good wide receiver, defensive end type player. Uh, but I think Jamestown can compete with Shanley, but I just think I think it's Shanley and everyone else. You know, they have the maybe the two best quarterbacks in the state, both on their team. Caden Kuhneman got injured last year, uh, week two, week three, and in comes Cade Busek, and he ends up being a first-team All-State quarterback. Uh, great runner, too, so it'll be interesting to see how Troy Mattern uses both those guys. And you just have playmakers all over the field. Haley Buckholtz, a Division One talent mm-hmm. at defensive back and wide receiver. You got uh, Joe Cava, who's going to be, I don't know, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. He may not have the body that his brother does, uh, but boy, he is a tough, tough player uh, and really disrupts things, especially on the defensive line. It's so fun to watch him get into the backfield and really terrorize people. But I think Shanley's there at the top. Then you have St. Mary's, Devil's Lake, Jamestown in there. And then Central Cass is, I, th- I think, a team that really is going to be able to sneak up on some teams They were close last year. They were close in so many games, but they have some really good returners coming back. I was going to ask you about Central Cass and Wapiton before we get to 3A. Those two programs have maybe not done what they were expected to do in 2A, right? When uh, the reclassification you mentioned, Central Cass lost a rivalry with Kindred, which that's a whole nother podcast maybe of itself. Yeah. But Central Cass has been close. They've been there. They got the athletes. Uh, Coach Luke DeMeyer, what he's done with that program out there. Obviously what Coach Dawkins has done in Wapington and what they kind of want to do. So those two teams can have a lot to say when you're trying to finish in the top six of Class 2A and make sure you make the playoffs. And they've been close the last couple years either making the playoffs or just maybe get into that first round and then getting knocked off right right away, Jody. Yeah, for Wapiton, the task is how do we replace Aaron Dyke? Well, we kind of do it in the way of we have offensive linemen that have been starting for us for two, some of them three years already. 
And Tucker Hermes, one of those guys, a beast on that Wapton offensive and defensive line. He's, I would imagine, he's going to be playing college football somewhere. So I think that's where Coach Dockin is hanging his hat on right now. We have the guys to get it done up front, and that is so crucial, especially at that two-way level, to be able to have those guys returning where you don't have to worry about a quarterback scrambling, and you can whoever's running the ball, they're going to have holes to run through. So I think that's a big strength for Wapton. Uh, I just don't know if they have the talent as far as Central Cast. That's why I picked Central Cast at five over Wapton uh, is because Joan Elites is back at quarterback. Jacob Halverson's back at wide receiver, and he's really, really a good-looking wide receiver. So, and, and the new turf. These players want to make an impact, in, and they see that shiny new turf, and they think, boy, we could leave a really good legacy having a terrific season on this first year and breaking in this turf uh, the way that we should. And I think they've had a couple off years where they feel like we want to get back on top. This There's season. a nice uh, squirrel logo, by the way, on that 50-yard oh, yeah. line. That's pretty big to kind of cement that it is Central Cast territory. From there, the final class in North Dakota class, Triple uh, A. you have the West Fargo Packers back as a defending state champs with uh, Jay Gibson back at the helmet, the uh, head coach for the Packers. But Jody, they got one heck of an athlete and a standout, Mr. Gatorade in the state of North Dakota. Yeah, Mr. 3A football, a standout. That is Andy Gravdahl. He was pretty much Superman, Batman, whoever you <laughs> like uh, about for superheroes. He was that last year to this program with his, his ability to throw, his ability to run the football. But at times... When they needed him, he went out there and played safety, and he came down with that batted football against Bismarck High in the playoffs that was at the goal line. He kind of did a little bit of everything for that team last year. Yeah, he has had so many critical plays. And a guy that where you can trust him in the huddle, draw up something, Andy, because whatever you have is probably going to be just as good sometimes. And I wonder how much freedom Jake Gibson did give him last year because of just that the instincts that that kid had. Uh, were unbelievable and and the talent around him Alex Sell mm -hmm. and in Franick in the backfield were so good Joe Pistorius out at wide receiver uh, just the list goes on and on as far as the talent on that team and I remember all the talk last year was okay you lost two D1 uh, linemen in, in Brandon Metz who actually went on to go wrestle at NDSU in, in Zach Willis and you're thinking boy how good is this team going to be and they went and dominated everyone and went to the state championship game. That was a close game at, at halftime, but uh, they ended up pulling away. But, man, now what? Because we're supposed to be talking about what's going to happen this year, and everyone's talking about what happened last year. We don't know about this team. That's why I had such a hard time pegging where to put them on a preseason rankings. The tradition is strong, so the tradition probably says they should be you know, top two, top three. But they just lost everyone. And, and uh, Cooper Solly is going to be that guy at quarterback. Is he going to be able to – you know, match at all what Andy Gravdahl did, maybe as a junior, uh, what Gravdahl did, came in, had some experience around him, and did some nice nice things. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that's yet to be determined, but so many unknowns. Uh, but they're going against a Minot team to kick off the season that also lost a lot of pieces from their team that reached the Dakota Bowl. So I think that's a good good game for both those teams to have. Yeah, you have that rematch of the state championship, a little bit of that flavor going on. Uh, but you're also going to figure out, okay, where do we stand? And, and let's get our feet under us before we enter into the conference season. From the Packers to their rival who has yet to beat West Fargo on the gridiron, yeah. that's West Fargo Cheyenne. They've kind of made steps, though, Jody, right? Over the years, they beat Bismarck Century, right? They've made the playoffs. They've kind of made those baby steps, but we're still looking for that 
okay, this is a program now to be reckoned with for the next five to ten years because either they're making the Dakota Bowl or they've got a couple big-time wins to get close to the Dakota Bowl. They just have not made that one giant step. And maybe it's finally just beating West Fargo. If you can get that monkey off your bat, that might be where it is. But they're also losing some pretty good athletes from last year's team. Can the Mustangs, with that option offense, with that salty defense, can they take the next step this year in the EDC? Well, you, you have your quarterback back, which is key, Parker Sander. You lost Jason Gallrap, maybe the best running back in the EDC last year. I mean, he was so explosive, would be able to carry defenders all over the place. But like you said, they just haven't been able to get over that hump. I remember last year, that Bismarck Century win was huge right off the bat. They were excited about that, and it really set the tone for things to come for the start of the season. Then they, you know, they lost to West Fargo and uh, eventually losing out in the playoffs, but um, I think this is a Cheyenne team that's prepared to take that next step. They have some really good playmakers, Goldaddy in the backfield, Hunter Hofner, another really good running back for that team, some really good uh, young defenders, Zach Rogers, Tommy Bright that I remember last year kind of really jumping off the page for Jeremy Newton's team. So I expect big things out of those guys, guys that have that varsity experience and, and now really want to take it to that next level. And if there's a good time to beat West Fargo for them to get their first victory over their biggest rival – I would think this has to be the year, and I know they scrimmaged last week. Cheyenne won 12-0, I think was the unofficial score, whatever that means, because, you know, it's a scrimmage. You never know what's what's going on. I wasn't there, but I don't know. I think if there's a year that it's going to happen, it would be this year. But, again, we there's so many uncertainties about this West Fargo team. Uh, that we need to figure out before the season starts and when we get to figure that out on Friday night. And Fargo Davies goes up against Bismarck High and should be a good East-West yeah. showdown. You have uh, Fargo South with uh, Weisenberger's kind of the big headline there, the tight end, and mm-hmm. he's a North Dakota State you know, verbal commit. You have a little bit of Grand Fork Central who maybe opened up some eyes from previous years, what they can possibly do. Fargo North has always been close to taking that next step too in uh, Grand Forks River, so we'll have a chance to talk about everybody in the EDC coming up. Jody, thanks so much for your time. Uh, what's your guys' first game coming up on Midco Sports Network and just kind of give us a little preview of what you guys have on the docket over over in Midco land. Sure, we have our, our daily show, which will begin next week, Midco Sports Tonight, so we're excited to kick that show off. And then Varsity Sports Live returns on Friday. Uh, we have our first live game on Friday, so Minot at West Fargo. Again, state championship rematch, nothing better than that on Friday night in West Fargo. So we'll have that uh, 7 o'clock kickoff on Friday night. Varsity Sports Live to follow at 1030 with highlights from all across the state, both North Dakota and South Dakota. Uh, really love the opportunity to really showcase both sides of the state to be able to get the true top teams and in, in get everyone seeing these teams before all of a sudden New Salem, Glen Allmont at uh, Glen Allen Allmont is at the Dakota Bowl and you know people on the eastern side of the state mm-hmm. don't know about them so I like having that opportunity where we can see all these teams on Friday night highlights Jody thanks so much for your time and we'll look forward to doing this I'm sure tag teaming throughout the throughout the school year all right you bet thanks Chase that again is Jody Norstead with Midco Sports Network with us here on Prep Spotlight here on Prep Spotlight on 740thefan.com, we jump over to Moorhead. With us is Kevin Feeney, head football coach for the Moorhead Spuds. And Kevin, first and foremost, you're now about a week away before you get the season going against Elk River. How is fall camp and treating the Spuds out there? And who are going to be some of the senior leaders that you're looking upon as we kind of get into the season, Kevin? You know, fall camp's been great. You know what, so far we our numbers have been fantastic. We've been uh, right around 100 in grades 10 through 12, and so that that's a solid number for us, a school our size. But uh, the weather's cooperated great, and uh, the kids have come out with a great attitude and, and doing the best they can on learning 
um, all the different teams and all that kind of stuff on both sides of the football. But we return a, a good nucleus up front. I think early on in this football season, you're going to see our, our biggest strengths are going to be on the offense and defensive line. Logan Garcia and Jamison Kozad are, are both returning as offensive tackles for us. And Ollie Eunice and uh, Evan Gray both are returning at offensive guards for us. So we've got to replace the center throughout fall camp, and that's been a point of emphasis on the offensive line. With those nucleus of four guys, and we believe that those four guys have the ability to play college football, which is pretty rare to have that many guys on your offensive line that, that can play at a pretty high level. So uh, Landon Berry and Seth Anderson are returning on the defensive line for us, and so those guys have been big, strong, athletic incoming juniors for us. Um, and then Riley Shock is, is our lone returner at linebacker and in the offensive backfield for us. And so we've got some areas that we've got to have some good competition here in this last week before where we meet up with Elk River and kind of figure out some things in the secondary and figure out some things in the offensive backfield. But overall, we've been very pleased. Uh, the competition levels have been really, really good, and the kids have put themselves in a position physically by their preparation this offseason, and, and the bodies that are out there um, ha- have been great. You know, Tommy Horan has had a great fall camp. His energy and his his athleticism has really showed up both in the secondary and at wide receiver. And Peter Naram's another guy who played wide receiver for us last year, and his, he's really kind of put his body into a whole other category and he's definitely going to see some reps on both sides of the football. I like where you went with the offense and defensive lines because if you don't have a solid base there, then at times it's hard to do other things on both sides of the football. Before we get to Elk River, let's talk about your section, uh, Kevin. Uh, Coming into this year, if you just take the Moorhead Spuds out of it, and uh, taking a look forward to some of the teams who are going to be challenging at the top of the section, who might be one or two uh, quality opponents this year going up against uh, section teams once you get to the thick and heart of the season, Kevin? You know what, in high school football, it's always interesting because, you know, the ebbs and flows of who graduates, how many guys, and and all that kind of stuff. And you know what, I I really think the entire section is is going to be very, very good, with probably the exception of Alexandria, because Alexandria had just a huge amount of seniors that had played a ton of football. Um, I, I believe the rest of the section returns a lot of very, very good football players. And Bemidji and Brainerd are always going to be very, very good. Brainerd returns a great football team, and they and they made it to the state semifinals last year. And so um, they're kind of, I would say, the, the top of the class as far as if you were to say um, the team that brings some experience but had a ton of success. Um, and then, like I said, Bemidji probably returns um, as many guys they have in, the, in any time in the near future and since they've been into the state playoffs. And so they're going to be certainly a team that's going to be very, very good. But um, really, you know what, every team in the section has a chance. There's no doubt about that. That's just very rare to say. But, you know what, I, I think when you get a section where it tends to become very senior-dominated, the, the, you get a lot of players that whether they played as a sophomore or junior or they put in their time and waited till their senior year, you're going to see some pretty good football in Section 8. And one thing that I've noticed from your section, uh, Kevin, is guys that are going on to the next level. You mentioned you think you have some guys on the offensive line this year that can possibly play collegiate football. You also have a pipeline that's brewing between your program and now the University of North Dakota with Jade Lawrence, you know Brady Leach, Otis Way that are going up to UND. Just talk about uh, the guys in your program that you've seen go on to the next level and what does that mean uh, for these guys? Because I know there's a lot more than just the game of football, why they got that kind of scholarship too, Kevin. 
You, you know what, there is. And, and these guys have put in a ton of time. And our, our goal as a coaching staff is that if anybody wants to try and play at the next level, we're going to do our dangest to try to find them a program that's willing to give them an opportunity. And we, we don't care where that opportunity is because I always tell the kids, it's got to be the right fit for you guys. And uh, you know what, just the way it's worked out, um, University of North Dakota has done a great job of recruiting our school, and, and our kids have been very, very interested in that school and all the great academics that they have to offer. And so it's been great. Uh, anytime you have a chance to play Division One football, our kids are relishing that, and, and we take a lot of pride in, in what we're putting out there. And I think most of the time what you're going to find is guys who know how to work and they know the preparation that goes into it. And, you know, for the lack of a better word, the grind that, mm-hmm. that college football is as far as the time commitment that you're going to have. And so, um, you know, Jack Stett's got a preferred walk-on up there, too. And so we're excited for the four spuds up at the University of North Dakota. But we've got a lot of guys, whether it be at Concordia or MSUM Moorhead, Northern State, Valley City State, or really kind of all over the region. Um, and so we, we look forward to Saturdays, and we do our best to get out and see our former players play on Saturday. Kevin Feeney, Moorhead Spud football coach, with us here on Prep Spotlight. And Kevin, we talked about some of the players coming back for your team this section. Let's talk about your opponent in Elk River, a team that made it all the way to the championship last year. You guys started off the season with them uh, a season ago down in Elk River. Just kind of what are they going to be returning, and what do you think if you take the win or the loss away because it's a non-section game, what do you kind of want to see from your team that first game, whether you win or lose against a very quality opponent in Elk River? just say that the quality opponent is, is in, in the state of Minnesota, the QRF, and, and throughout the playoff structure, the way the computer system is built, you're really benefited by playing a really high-quality team. <laughs> I tell you what, Elk River has been about as good a quality team as there has been in the state of Minnesota the last few years. Two years ago, they were the state champions. Uh, last year, they, they were in the runners-up. You know, they're, they're a scary football team. They run the football very, very different than everybody else probably in this country that runs they do a great job. You know what? I, in their state semifinal win, they had over 700 yards rushing. And it's, it's a huge deception-type offense. And so we've got to kind of completely throw our entire defense that we're going to run the rest of the season out the door to just try to fit into what they're going to do. And so we've got to take it for what it's worth. It's a great opponent. We want to come out and play well. We're going to be at home. It's going to be a great environment. And we want to kind of show all the work that we've been doing here these last few weeks but you always got to keep it in perspective whether you win or lose that football game um, because big picture kind of stuff we give us a chance to compete for a section title and I think our kids are a little bit burned by the way our season ended last year we lost on the last second basically on a touchdown and we felt like we had an opportunity to win a section title last year and so um, this is part of the stepping stone, but Elk River, I tell you what, is you're not going to find a much better football team to open up with than a team like theirs. When that final game came last year or in years prior where you felt like maybe we could have got one game closer, do you feel like it drives a hunger to the next generation of Moorhead Spuds that are coming through, whether it was an eighth grader last year who was watching on the sideline, now that becomes closer to part of the high school program, or maybe it was someone who was on the sidelines last year now has a chance to start uh, this season coming up for the Spuds. No doubt about that. You know what, whatever, whatever fuels that fire, you know, we're going to try and do that. And we, we took a handful to the state championship games last year and, and just to see that U.S. Bank and see what that environment looks like. And um, you know what, same thing with the section championships. Anytime you have an opportunity to play in a section championship, we want to get as many kids involved in that as we possibly can, because that's a really special situation. And we kind of always say to our players when, when, you know, in our banners, whether it be in our, at our high school gym or whether it be out on the football field and teams in those years that 
the two years that the Moritz, Moritz Buds have won the state championship, I said, you know what, that'll never leak. And that's a legacy that will never be touched. And you want to leave your stamp on a school in a great, in a great memory. And, and that's for the entire school. That, that's not just for the football players. That's for the entire school because our school does a great job of rallying around our athletics. And we get such a great uh, turnout each and every Friday night at our field. And so we kind of feel like that this is a community deal. And if we have a chance to put up this year's number, that that would be something for this entire community to take success in. Uh, Kevin, last thing for you. You had a little fun over the summer. Carson Wentz came over to Moorhead and threw a couple passes around. How was how was that for the kids to kind of learn from a former NDSU Bison, just like you are, a guy that went through the system, you know, a local product from Bismarck Century that maybe people didn't talk about, then all of a sudden rose to the number two pick in the National Football League, now two years into the NFL. He has a lot of background stories about rehabbing and going through injury and adversity in his own right. So what were some of the things that the kids learned when Carson Wentz came over to uh, Jim Goda Field? You know, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, with Carson coming, obviously it's not very often you get a guy like that to come to your high school and talk specifically just to your kids and, and about his experiences. But, I, you know, what the biggest things that I think that our team took away from that is, number one, Carson's so genuine when he speaks. And in, there's, there's nothing – he tells it like it is. And, and he, his first comment was, is, no, no offense, I'm just like you guys. I grew up in this same area. I went through the same struggles that you did. All I want – pray that I could grow and get taller someday and um, you know what the work that he's put in is really just a testament to say you know what if you truly want something no matter what it is in life don't let the dream be too big because you know what who'd ever said that he would have been the number two overall pick and had he not gotten hurt this last year he would have been the NFL MVP and when he was a sophomore in, in high school he kept saying to the kids I was 5'8 150 pounds or whatever it was and so the kids can identify with that, and I think they kind of look at that and say, you know what, why not me? And, and why let anybody put stipulations on what your end goal is? And so just keep plugging away. You know, like you said, the adversity, there's not probably not a guy that has had more adversity in his life than he has as far as injuries go with the game of football. And um, it's part of the game, certainly, but um, he's never going to let that detour from what his end goal was. And then I think first and or last big message our team was everybody loves playing on Friday nights. Everybody loves watching him play on Sunday afternoons, but you've got to learn to love the grind that goes into being great in anything that you choose to be great in and find your passion and really, really delve into it. But learn to love to watch films, get up at 6am to go lift weights, go to those hard practices. You know what? Not everybody wants to do that, but who's willing to do that is the reason why there's a difference between good players and great players. And there's no doubt Carson's figured out that. Sending that message to our team was was invaluable. Kevin, did you teach Carson any of your option days back at NDSU? <laughs> teach him any of those option plays and you know learning how to take a hit uh, on the very last second when a linebacker is barreling down your number? <laughs> you know what, I tell you what, Carson just needs to keep playing the way he's been taught. I tell you what, he does some great stuff. No doubt about it. You know what? I always laugh when I read and, and I watch all the kind of stuff with the national media on saying how Carson's got to save his body and stuff like that. And I tell you what, the beauty of Carson and, and I think the why the city of Philadelphia has embraced him so much is he's a tough guy and he wants to play football the way it was meant to be played. And you're, you're talking about the old option days and, and certainly there's pieces 
in, in football around. It's not the split back gear, but when you get out there and you're running that gun zone choice, um, it becomes option football. And, and Carson plays the game the right way. It's going to be hard. You can't take that. You can't take football out of a guy like him. And, um, you know, hopefully he's God willing that he's able to stay healthy here. I think a great season and hopefully a long, long career ahead of him. Kevin, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck this upcoming season and go get out Quiver next week, okay? Hey, thanks a ton for having me on. That's said football coach, the Moorhead Spuds, Kevin Feeney with us here on Prep Spotlight. The Spuds last season finished six and three overall, and they returned nine starters from last year's team. Back on Prep Spotlight here on 740thefan.com with West Fargo Packer head football coach Jay Gibson. The Packers again last season, the defending champs out of Class 3A. And Jay, we can just kind of start there as you have your first official game coming up on Friday against mine at high. Before we talk about the landscape of 3A this year and some of your players who are going to play collegiate football after this season gets done, let's talk about the guys who left the program last year and big shoes to fill with you know, Gatorade Player of the Year and 3A Player of the Year and quarterback Andy Gravdo. You had Alex Sell, Pistorius, and that senior class. Um, I, I know you're always having the next man up mentality, but uh, who's coming in for Andy Gravdoff? He graduated from quarterback, and what are some other areas that you that you have been addressing so far in fall camp, Jay? Yeah, I believe we – I know the press guys, you guys always want to know that. I think it's four guys are returning starters. So we and, – and then we had a big senior class last year where – the backups were seniors because we had about 27 guys. That's been a pretty typical number for us. And, and the way we run things here is we like to have seniors playing. It means a little more to a senior. You know, most of the guys cannot play college football. They're not going to be professionals. That's, it's not going to be their career. So that last shot, their senior year, they just they put in so much more effort. Uh, anyway, this year we have a small senior class. And a whole bunch of inexperience. So <laughs> the practices have been uh, a little more trying. We had so much experience back last year, and it, it was just it was just easy to coach. It was just enjoyable. And actually, this is more enjoyable because you have to take each individual and you know figure out things that they can do and figure out what their weaknesses are, and you got to work on it. So quarterback Cooper Stolly will be the quarterback. And he's done a real nice job. He hits summer camps, and he's a different athlete. He's taller. You know, Andy was a real short guy, but my goodness, could he run, and he was he was so quick. And I really think, even though Andy had a cannon and he was a great thrower, I really think Andy's ability to run last year cost a lot of other defenses an awful lot of worry about how do we tackle him so we got to have one or two guys looking at him at all times which then means your routes are one-on-one and then you got Alex Sell and Jared Brannick running the ball and you're blocking one-on-one and those two guys were phenomenal so I I think it was the perfect storm last year but Cooper's a bigger fella and uh, so we will do some pocket passing uh, more of the pro type and we are by no means a pro team but the, the pro style type offense more handing off and not running a lot of option like we have in the past with a guy like Nick Gravdahl. You go of a couple of your kids that are going to be playing at the University of North Dakota next year, uh, Jay, and that is Luke Lennon and EJ Langstaff. What can they kind of bring to this year's team? You mentioned about the inexperience, but what can they bring from their experience being on the football field in previous years? Yeah, well, EJ started all last year on defense. He was a defensive tackle, 
did extremely well, but he got to rest when we had the ball. And we had the ball an awful lot last year, so he got a lot of rest. Um, EJ is a very good athlete. He runs really well for a 6'5 guy. We will do a lot of pulling. He's going to have to play both ways this year. So he will be in the offensive line, too. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little more trapping than we did last year because he's such a good athlete. Uh, Brandon Steinauer started all last year, too. And when you get those two guys together, um, you got a 300-pounder and about a 240, and they both can run. So we're going to try to take advantage of, of their skills and their um, strength, which is movement. Um, and we're going to let those guys pull. But EJ could play. EJ could be a tight end. So you say, well, why don't you put him at tight end? Well, then, then you lose another offensive lineman. And uh, you, re- you really have to start with the O-line and, you got to get five guys that are hopefully really good, but adequate so that you can get to the next level. You, you can't pass the ball when you don't pass protect. So EJ's been really good about it. He's, he can catch the ball and he can do that, but we're going to leave him at um, tackle. And then Luke Lennon has been a two-year defensive starter. We don't start many sophomores because we'd like to have the senior boys out on the field. It's, it's their team. But Luke was so good as a sophomore, he's one of our better linebackers at that age. And now that he's a senior, we're looking looking for him to do an awful lot. He, too, will have to start offense. We're going to play him at receiver, which I don't want to really wear him out. But um, he also is 6'5". He's a big body. Um, he's starting to catch the ball pretty well. He had never done that skill, but he's getting used to running routes. So we've got some pretty big people to look at for receivers. There's a Barrencott kid who is 6'5". Hunter Lyman is 6'8". So Cooper, you know, being about a 6'2 or 6'3 quarterback is going to be able to see over the top. Plus, we got these really tall guys to throw to. So we're we're pretty excited about it. It's it's going to be a little bit of a different flow. It won't be as quick as tempo as last year, but, you know, we're coming. We've come a long way in in the first two weeks. We really have. Jay Gibson with us, West Fargo Packer head football coach here on Prep Spotlight. And Jay, let's go to the opposite side of the football. Your defense was very stout last year in the run to the championship. What are going to be some areas that you can rely on for maybe some of the experiences you talked about there on defense and who might be a player or two that has to kind of step up their game to be the next Cell or uh, Frannick or, or the next guy that you can rely on on the defensive side of the football? Yeah, well, last year we had Frannick who's 5'6", and we had Joe Masambuco, who was 5'6". That was our two inside linebackers. And I don't care if you, you, you can ask any coach in the country, um, you're starting two 5'6 linebackers. Are you happy about that? You would, without knowing them, you would say, well, no. But both of them were wrestlers, and I don't think either one ever missed a tackle. And they're both aggressive. That, to me, is the biggest area and the secondary. Last year, we had Zapata, who played for two years, Faircloth, who was a Gatorade baseball player of the year as the two-year starter last year. Darius Sua came and was a really good, he, he moved here, and it was like, it was perfect, because that's exactly what we needed, a, a tackler and a, a cover guy. And then Alex Bell. So we had four guys in the secondary that 
we basically didn't have to teach them anything because they had learned all the coverages the year before. So that is an area where we're scrambling. There's a lot of young guys. I mentioned Barencott is only a sophomore, and he, and he got dinged up here, so he's missed a couple practices. But he could start offensively, and he could start defensively. And, and even though that's kind of against my philosophy, it's just we, we don't have a senior athlete that can fit and do the things that he can do. So we are scrambling in the secondary and rotating about eight guys, and we're going to let them play against Minot, and they will have their work cut out for them against Bismarck because Bismarck has their quarterback is phenomenal, and we will find out what kind of secondary we have that week for sure. You know, Minot High is in the same boat as we are. They had a senior team. I think they graduate 17 starters also. So both of us, it might be a little sloppy. Both of us are going to have a lot of new faces on the field. Last thing for you, Jay, before you let you go, and we thank you again for your time, you kind of went to the next point that I was going to go to. In the class of 3A this year, who might be a team or two to beat out west? You mentioned Bismarck High. And who might be a team or two to beat out east if you take your team just out of it and you look at the landscape of the EDC and 3A football this year, Jay? Yeah, I think uh, Fargo South has a really good skilled players. I, I don't know who their quarterback is. They graduated their quarterback last year, so it would have been, um, I'm sure, the JV quarterback. But I, I think they have tremendous speed, and I think Davies has tremendous speed. I think they should put their teams together and be a track team because, my goodness, would they have speed. Um, <laughs> but I think both of those clubs are going to be good. North is you know, really has struggled the last couple of years to get better, and I see them getting over the hump. They have some bigger um, classes now in the younger grades, which should be now juniors. So, and I think he does a great job there, Roland. I I like the way he coaches. They they come ready to play. They're kind of my sleeper pick that I'm picking, and then I would pick Cheyenne to be the top team. Uh, they run that veer. They got a returning quarterback. They have a bunch of skilled kids that are returning that are very fast. I just think that the rest of us have trouble stopping that offense that they have. And once they get ahead, they just keep the ball away from you. Even though I named the other teams, I I really think the team to beat is Cheyenne. Jay, as always, we thank you so much for your time. Best of luck in your home opener against mine at high come Friday night. And we'll talk to you down the line, okay? Yep. Thank you. West Fargo Packer football coach Jay Gibson with us here on Prep Spotlight. The Packers have four players in the state of North Dakota earn Gatorade Players of the Year. You had Jake Faircloth for baseball, Jared Frannick in wrestling, Andy Gravdahl in football, and Joe Pistorius last season in basketball. Oh, by the way, all four of those players run last year's state championship team in football for the West Fargo Packers. Well, that does it for the first episode of Prep Spotlight here on 740thefan.com. Glad you're tuning in. Our coverage of high school athletics continues on Friday night on our sister station, 104.7 Duke FM. That's going to be on August the 24th as Oaks down at Weimar Lidgewood at 7 o'clock. On behalf of Jody Norstead, Kevin Feeney, and Jay Gibson, I'm Chase Miller. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll be back at it next Wednesday for another edition of Prep Spotlight here on 740 The Fan. Dot com. Control.